Good morning. So this morning when my dad came to pick up the kids, he said, I'm going to come at 9.30 to grab the kids, to take them to mom. And uh, he came at 9.22. And he texted me and said, oh, I'm here. Send the kids. And I said, but they're not ready. I thought you were coming later. He's like, well, I'm here. And I want to go because he wanted to be able to go and drop them back and get back. And the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, you know, that, that's how I'm coming. You're not going to know when I'm coming to get my kids. And you might think even that it's just a few minutes past when you think, but you don't know when I'm going to show up with my van and get my kids. And I want to, first of all, honor the saints that are in this room this morning because if you're here, it's because you want your lamps to be filled with oil for the king's return. You want to be ready when he shows up with his van to pick up the kids. And so I want to say thank you. You being here is not some religious motion. It's preparation for the harvest. It's preparation for the returning king. And Shelly and I were talking about the coming king. And she said, you know, I wonder if... You know, it says the father only knows when, even the son doesn't know when it's all going, you know, when he will call us home, the father knows and he'll tell the son. And Shelley said, I wonder if it's because the appointed time comes when the men and women of God, when they step into their place in the ranks of the king and they preach the gospel to all creation baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and making disciples. And maybe the point of time is not quite yet determined because it's in the hands of the remnant. And we were just pondering that. You know, the Lord knows the end from the beginning and he knows those who are his. And every time we see him go for a great battle and victory, he pairs down the army first many times. Not every time, but many times. We see it in the Old Testament battles. And we've seen that happen in the body of Christ in a very dramatic way in the last five years, right? And so you look at these, the, the fullness of time. Many of, the, many of you, um, whether you've heard it, other believers talking about it, you sense it in your spirit, we're crossing from one age of the church and church history into the next stage. I think everyone bears witness with that. And so in different seasons, there's different assignments, different posts, different authorities, different gifts. And so if you are alive in this moment, which we all are, hallelujah, and not in glory yet, that means that you have a portion of assignment for these days. And I think I was thinking about Caleb who endured, and the Lord gave him supernatural strength as one of those who remained from the first generation to see the crossover into the promised land. And he gave him a, a supernatural physical strength. And that is something, that is one of the gifts we see in battle. You know, David said, like, with my God, I can jump over a wall. He trains my fingers for war. There's a supernatural strength. And I'm highlighting that because don't think that these days are just for those that have tons of physical energy because that's just a ploy of the enemy, you know? Because even I'm, I'm considered middle-aged now. Robin and Jeremy were like, what? You know what I mean? 
at the beginning of when things start to turn, and although all over, although my parents are like, no, wait another 20 years, and then you'll see what's up. Um, but even uh, even stepping into this place of, I am a well warrior. The Lord has commissioned and and commanded me with assignments for these days, and he will give me the strength to fulfill the things that he has put in his heart for me to fulfill for his kingdom, to bring his kingdom. So yeah, so we're talking about training for uh, being a part of the army of the Lord. He is the captain of the angel armies. And that's what we're going to go to in worship this morning. You think, we're going to go in worship this morning? Yes, we are. Um, we're going to go in worship this morning. We're going to worship out of Psalm 24. Um, I just want to stop for a moment. Because I was just thinking, uh, I think that I'm going to read this psalm. And then when we're done, we're going to respond in worship. So we can just listen for at this moment, okay? Psalm 24. The king of glory and his kingdom. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the, into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. We talked about that last week, about clean hands as pure actions, clean heart as pure intentions. So both of those together, right? Living uh, uprightly and then acting uprightly together in harmony. Because if you just have good intentions but sinful actions... That's what we're seeing with a great deception in doctrines of demons, people that overemphasize the love and grace of God and have good intentions to love the lost, but their actions are directly sinful and an abomination to the Lord. And then we have those who have wicked hearts and good actions, which are the religious, who do things in the name of God and even preach the gospel, cast out demons, even perform miracles, but it's for their own glory and their own fame and for their own name to be famous. And the Lord said, I will say to them, depart from me, I don't know you. So this is really essential that we grasp this because it keeps us in that tension. The tension of humility because we need his grace to, to intend to walk uprightly and to walk uprightly so that the enemy doesn't gain a foothold because the enemy has a plan to take out as many harvesters as possible because he wants to delay the great coming of the Lord. He wants to delay the day of his destruction. You know, there is an attack of that. There is an intentional attack to delay the work of God in your life and to delay the equipping of the saints. This is not just, well, everything's in God's perfect timing. No, we're, we are in a, a timing battle of the, that's, you know, now we, we don't have fear in this because we know that the battle belongs to the Lord. But it's good to be aware and talk about these concepts. Hey, good morning, Rosemary. That's my sister. I love you. This is a woman of God who has both, I'm talking about Rosemary, 
This is a woman of God who has both pure intentions and pure actions. Hey, I love that. I love that about Rosemary. We were just talking about that in Psalm 24. And um, so it's important because this, um, the Lord right now is, as you know, across the world in the body of Christ, he is saying, you will learn the fear of the Lord for these days. When was the last time that you trembled in the presence of God? When was the last time that you weren't sure if you were going to make it out of his presence alive or if you would be brought home because the glory was too much? That is the intention of the Lord for the earth in this hour. Because when he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord intended his people to be the vessel and conduits of pure intentions, pure actions, holiness, so that the God who is pure would have a place to rest his glory on the earth. And we are his foothold. We are living stones fitted together, being purified into a beautiful path so that the God of glory can walk among the nations. So his glory can walk and reign upon the nations. And so that place of purification is so essential in these days. And um, he wants us to come to a place of holy fear. And that's, I'm going to keep, I want to keep moving. I could just camp there a long time. Hallelujah. So we know it says, who can stand in his holy place? He whose clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. What that means is that you don't have another king. There's no other kings. And uh, I had to stay in that verse for a while when I read this because it's very easy to put other kings on our thrones very unintentionally. Nor sworn deceitfully. It says, he shall receive blessing from the Lord. So the Lord wants us to know in this verse that when we have pure hands and a clean heart, that then we receive blessing. It's not earned. Even from that point, it's still not a place of earning. It's not a place of works where you're earning. It's a place of receiving his blessing and his righteousness from the God of salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him who seek your face. Now this is the fun part. I don't know if you've seen movies about battles in the past or you've seen warriors coming together. But there was a custom when great warriors would come together or great armies would come together and they would have heralds that would herald and proclaim who the warrior was that was coming into battle. And the purpose of it was to list the credentials and to strike fear into the heart of the enemy. And the Lord very clearly gives us, hey, the Lord very clearly gives us this job. So this is the part where in a moment we'll come to, to worship together. So we, we talked about a moment ago that we are, the Lord chose us to be the entrance point for his kingdom coming and his will being done in the earth. And he confirmed that when he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent his own spirit to dwell within us. He gave us the full authority of Jesus Christ 
and sent in the Holy Spirit so that we could be his agents to bring his kingdom here and to prepare the way for the king, for the return of the king. So we are the gates and we are the doors. I'm going to pull this back. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. Lift up, oh you heavenly gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He's the king of glory. So there's a heralding of a job that we've been given to proclaim who is this king of glory. He's the commander of an army, of a great angelic army. And I had a vision when I was praying a couple of weeks ago, and I saw the angels of the Lord marching into battle, and they were holding these banners I don't know a lot about banners, but they're pretty important in warfare. I, I wasn't aware. And these banners, they had written on them, beloved, redeemed. And as the angels marched over the men and women of God, I saw anointing oil dripping off of the banners. And it was anointing the saints with their identity of beloved, redeemed. And they held a fresh oil for the victory of battle in their identity. And we see that in Song of Solomon. It says, his banner over me is love. Banners are meant to be identifiers of where you are in the battle, like positionally. And we are positioned always as his beloved always as his redeemed, we carry the anointing of these titles. And those are liberation titles. We have been redeemed so that we may make room for the redeemer. We have been loved so we may make room for the lover of our souls. So coming into this place right now, I just do feel that the Lord wants you to close your eyes and to lift up your heads and let him wave his battlement banners over you of beloved and redeemed. And I want you to feel the anointing oil drip on you right now because anointing breaks the yoke it lubricates the things that are stuck in your life. It casts out demons. It does so many things. Yeah, Pastor Roger, tell you all of them. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord.
We know the liberator. We know him. We know the liberator. We live in the days of the clash of kingdoms. We live in days of victory. This is the era of the church where many are added, where the enemy suffers great losses. Again, in about, I think, six months ago, we were in worship. And I saw a battlefield. And I saw the saints, and they were down, hidden in the ground, like under, um, help me battle, guys, help me. <laughs> I was going to say Jeremy, Chris, Tom. You know, when you're hidden under brush, you know, camouflage, there we go. And the enemy's army was advancing. And those that were not in the battle with the Lord waiting, they were getting stressed. Those on the sidelines were getting very stressed to see the enemy's advancement across the battlefield because the enemy was crossing lines that those on the sidelines went, we've never seen these lines cross before. They were getting stressed. Is that not what's happened in the world in the last few years that we've seen the enemy cross lines that we go, we never imagined these lines would be crossed so quickly and with so much boldness. And I was going, I was seeing this and I was like, Lord, like, why are we waiting? And he just went, shh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm shushing, we're waiting. And he said, I'm waiting to get them right where I want them. I'm waiting to get the enemy right where I want him. Because when I rise up in battle with my people and ambush the enemy, they will suffer the greatest losses that they've ever suffered. But I'm waiting to get them in position. So do not fear when you see the enemy advance in these days. Even if he's advancing in your marriage in a place that he's never been before, or against your children in a place he's never been before, or in the world, do not be afraid. You get close to the Lord and say, what is your strategy for this battle, Lord? Because he is the greatest military strategist that the universe and world and time has ever seen. There's not a battle that he has lost. There isn't. And there came from Jesus himself a battle sound when he was on the cross that shook the foundations of hell and they haven't stopped shaking since. When he said, it's finished. When he said, it's finished. Yes, and we now come and war in the mindset of the victor who knows it is finished. But yet, because we are in submission to the great captain of the angel armies, it is essential that we draw near to him and hear his strategy for every situation. And the Old and New Testament are just a gold mine 
of how God delivers, heals, turns the tables, redeems. You want to know the strategies of God? The Bible is very exciting when you are looking to see the strategies of God of how he overthrows his enemies and how he makes all things new, how he brings things back to complete order, complete redemption. And we talked about this. I want to mention this because we, you know, we're here for evangelism, right? We're talking about warfare. Hmm. So Jesus, when he spoke to the woman at the well, this was the prototype for prophetic evangelism. And we talked about this before, but I want to mention it again because it's very, very important. We know that the enemy is the chaos giver, the confusion giver, right? He's, if he can't deceive you, he'll just annoy you and make you confused and make you feel like you're not sure what's your voice, what's God's voice, what's the enemy's voice. He'll bring little warfares against you that make you think that you maybe sinned, but you're not sure. But it's just very, you know, uh, these little annoying, uh, chaotic <sighs> distractions. He wants us to think they're bigger than distractions, but they're just distractions because he doesn't have authority and victory unless we give it to him. He doesn't. They're just, they're just distractions. And so Jesus came to the woman at the well and as the great evangelist, he brought her chaos into order. And that's what we know God did in the beginning. He brooded over the darkness and the chaos and he said, let there be light. And light came into her situation. And the things that she had held in the dark, he illuminated without shame. That woman did not feel shame. She was freed from shame for the first time in her life, even though he spoke plainly of her business. He brought her completely into the light. Everything that the enemy had on her, he ripped up in one fell go. The thing that was in the darkest closet, he took it out, just ripped up the paper and said, no, I'm here for you. You're special. You're part of this. And so your job, evangelists, is to hear from God about whoever you're in front of. Go, what does the enemy have on them to keep them on the sidelines from getting into the battle they were born to fight, the days that they were born to win. What does the enemy have on them? And by the spirit of God, you take it out and you rip it up. You pour the blood on it, you dance on it, you pour oil, whatever Jesus tells you to do. A lot of times that will be a healing. It will be one word of healing. It will reframe. Jesus reframed her story of her life. She saw it. The enemy gave a version of her story to her and gave it meaning. This is what your life means because of these things that happened. That wasn't true. It was a lie. He's just a liar. He's just a distractor. And Jesus came and said, no, no, no. That's not what this means. Your life means this. This is how I see it. And the way God sees it is the way it is. It's not his opinion. It is the full reality. It is the beginning and end of the matter, period. So the enemy has tricks. He has lies. He's a great talker. He's a great storyteller. He learned it from God. He learned from the best. Okay? But now he's depraved. And I've heard some say that he's so depraved, like, you know when a narcissist is so good at telling everyone how great they are that they believe it? 
the enemy lives in a false reality where he believes his own lies. He's given over to a depraved mind. And that's why, you know, one would think all of our strategies for life and godliness are literally right here in the book. And Satan has read, well, he's the Bible memorized, but he doesn't have revelation. He's not filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like reading those words in another language. Like he knows them, but he doesn't understand the strategies of God because it says, we talked about this last time, that darkness can't comprehend light. There is literally a lack of understanding. I'm here to tell you, you have the battle advantage all the time. All the time when you're walking in the light with him who is the light. You have the battle advantage all the time. We even talked about how the righteousness of God that we are hidden in, that it is an invisibility cloak to the enemy. You can move behind enemy lines and he can't touch you or detect you if God sent you there, okay? Please don't be stupid. Please only do what you see the Father. Like model Jesus, hear the Father, do what he says to do that day. And yes, absolutely be in the will of God because we don't want, we have such great power and authority to a measure, to a limitless power, a limitless measure. Satan's kingdom is limited. God's kingdom is limitless. And Jesus has given us full measure of limitless authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. God's given us miracle ability. And he says, some will use it, not in his will. It's there. We will see people that prophesy, cast out demons, heal the sick, perform miracles in his name. And he's going, I didn't know you because they weren't doing the will of the Father on his heart and in his timing. However, there has been a strategy of the enemy to keep the people of God very, very, very tame and not walking in the fullness of their authority, thinking that spiritual warfare is too hard or that if they, if they engage in it, there will be too great of a backlash, okay? But when you're, like, we, it says the Lord knows that those who are his, right? And that he's given his angels charge over us, lest we dash our foot against a stone. The Lord allows us in training so that we can get stronger and smarter and become more mature, he allows discipline so that we are mature. So the things, all of you are mature in the Lord. You know that the things that you've walked through in Christ, they've produced a riches inside of you that now you wouldn't trade. When you were going through it, you thought, I, I will gladly trade this. Like, give me anything to trade this. <laughs> but when it's over, you have this refined substance inside of you that cannot be taken or shaken or stolen. And it becomes a currency in the kingdom of God because it's the humility of trust in the one who is trustworthy. And that's the fear of the Lord. And then no one can take that from you. And no lie of the enemy can distort that for you. Okay, so let's, you guys having fun? I see, I'm having fun. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I know we were talking about um, worshiping. So I, <laughs> the Lord took me to the book of Joshua. And um, I believe it's before the battle of Jericho where, you know, the angel of the Lord shows up and Joshua's really scared. 
trembles and goes, you know, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or their side? He's like, you're on my side. That's what the angel says. <laughs> like, I'm not on either of your side. You're on my side. And he's like, okay, that's a very good, we can all live in that place. And, and I say this because we need to understand the body of Christ, but um, us as being a part of the American church, we have a very individualist, individualistic mindset. We have, Jeremy and I were talking about this before service. We have a, a mindset of just very personalized, you know, what can God do for me? And that's, you know, self-help God. As long as I'm getting the benefits, I'll give my devotion. And the, word, the, the Bible has a um, has wording for this, and it's, are you a bond slave to Christ as Paul, or are you a hireling? Because hirelings serve as long as it's mutually beneficial. As long as I'm getting paid at the end of the day, I will keep doing this. <laughs> as long as I get my benefit. But bond slaves, they have a choice to be bonded to their master. And they say, where would I go? You have the words of life. I can't. There is no other way but you, you're the way. There's no other road I can walk. And then we have this beautiful example of Job. Even if you slay me, I'll trust in you. Because there's not a fear of death when you're really bonded to the Lord. There isn't that fear of death. I am going to go here for a minute. I wasn't sure if I was going to go here. And I want you guys to know as I'm teaching you this, I'm admonishing you because I'm giving you tools in your tool, tool belt to teach others. And yes, the Lord will shape you and bring things into alignment. But many of you are mature believers in Christ. And these are not things that you've heard, not heard before. But I want to explain them to, to you in ways that you can teach others, okay? So let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment and the equipping of the saints. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit without measure, is absolutely essential. What sets us apart from nice people with nice ideas about how to live a better life. The Spirit of God. It's a different kingdom, okay? We work for a different kingdom. We are a part of a different kingdom. I say work because I think it's important to know that it's an active, participatory, we are not just receivers. We are laborers in Christ. And sometimes we lose that mindset because the enemy dump so much stuff on our life to try to distract us and make us work through that, you know, we're just trying to make it through the day. And I love my sister, Robin. We were talking about how sometimes the enemy comes against you in such a nasty way against something you've struggled with your whole life that you just don't have the bandwidth to deal with it one more time. And you go offline like you just... I'll just be honest, her and I were talking about how like you just, you know, sit down and mindlessly, you know, <laughs> have that whatever you need. And you watch that show and you, you know, eat those cookies or whatever it is because you just don't have the capacity to fight that battle one more time. Right? And the Lord is so good to us. And... um his, so his answer for that, you're like, what's his answer for that? 
Well, it's community. It's brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because when Robin and I talk about that together and bring it into the light, you go, you know, I don't have the strength to come against this one more time. But we do. One can put a thousand angels to flight and two, 10,000. So this going out two by two, this community, this sharing life, we talked about that last week. I'm just going on a little bit of a tangent. I hope you don't mind that I said that, but it does. Like we go to each other and we pray because there are things that we can't fight alone. And so if the enemy ever tries to get you into an isolationist mindset, just throw that off. Um, And then obviously the ministers at the church here are for you as well to partner with you. Um, And then it's exciting because the places where you break through, then you have the joy of the Lord. And especially when a breakthrough is fresh, your faith level is very high. And when you're talking to people and then they come up to you and they have a similar issue, you're like, the Lord just broke me through. I had, and this is, and he gave you a strategy recently. And usually then he will purposely fully put you in front of people who need that strategy. God is very strategic. It's not accidental. So be very aware when the Lord has just brought you something. Okay, Lord, who are you wanting to share this strategy with? Who are you going to anoint me to help liberate with this breakthrough that I've just had? Like just staying because it's not, we're not separated. The Lord uses our life story, the places where he's delivered us, our personalities, our friendship groups, because Chris and I are going to have different people that relate to us (laughs) because we're different people different ages, different genders, different backgrounds. And there's going to be people that are able to receive the gospel through how God has delivered Chris and people who are going to be able to receive the gospel through how God has delivered me. So those things are so essential and they're so strategically placed. The country you were born in was chosen by God, right? The culture, the family you were born into, God bless them, all of their iniquities and all of their generational blessings. (laughs) That was on purpose. I know my mom, she said sometimes, she used to, when she was newly saved, she used to say, Lord, if I had just been born into, you know, the Hayford family, then I wouldn't have to be going through all this, you know. And then she said, as she matured in the Lord, and as she watched, and as that every, every person, it doesn't matter what family you were born into, will not escape the beautiful training, chastening, and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ because he said, take up your cross and follow me. So that's essential. And now we want to live godly because the generational blessing that comes from following the Lord generation after generation, you want to help set your kids and grandkids and all of those future generations up for that. And that legacy matters. And being the first one in your family to stand against family idols. That is an important job, and God very strategically picks the people in the generations to do that. And I honor those people because my parents were, were the first in their family to be saved. And, um, but many others, like my best friend Adrienne, the first in her family, and, and watching her break generational cycles. And um, it's an important role, so we want to honor that. And the Lord's going to be bringing a lot of people into the kingdom for the first time in their families, so there will be a lot of that. So listening to the stories, talking with one another, everything is um, just getting the mindset of 
everything is training for these days. Yeah? Okay. So let's jump into the shout. Okay, so this is a worship warfare strategy. You guys have seen it. We do it sometimes on Sunday morning when the Spirit of the Lord, when the angels are coming at the end of a song and they want to bring a breakthrough, many men and women of God will feel out of their spirit, when you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, will feel out of their spirit come, begin to come a shout. And it's not one... There's this, there's this space between feeling the Holy Spirit quicken you and then you doing what the Holy Spirit's quickening you to do. And that gap is called faith. And without it, it's impossible to please God. So the Holy Spirit will not force you to partner with him, but he will invite you and quicken you. And it is our joy to become very attuned to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do because the partnership of action, whether it's word, physical, if the Holy Spirit says you need to jump, you need to shout, you need to spin, you need to run. So when the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost, well, actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to Jesus first. Jesus, the great evangelist, set this example when he gave his body as a sacrifice to complete his father's will. He modeled giving his body as a living sacrifice and then unto death. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the first thing he required of his disciples was to give their bodies as a living sacrifice. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they appeared drunk. They weren't drunk, but you, the, light, the, the correlation is that they did not have full control of their bodies. When someone is drunk, they're not acting like they're in control of their physical form. There was a yielding that happened. And I believe that to those who yielded, after someone went, they're not in control of their physical bodies. They're not the boss of them. After that, recognition, boldness flooded the disciples, and 3,000 people got saved. That was the order of things. So if there is a gap between the Holy Spirit's boldness in your life, that means there must be a greater submission to the Holy Spirit in your physical frame. This is not metaphoric. This is literal. Okay, this is in the Bible. This is, everybody knows this story. Okay, this is the part that makes people uncomfortable. Okay, not so much you guys, but especially, I just need to say this, especially if there has been abuse in the body. Okay, especially if someone did something to your body that you didn't have control over that caused you brokenness or pain, then there is a, can be a wall for people there. And God knows that. He came to heal the brokenhearted and to deliver, deliver the captives. That's, a, you know, the interpretation of that is the prisoners of war. So the Lord is, you know, he's going to ask you to do that, though, because he has everything that we need readily available for us. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the disciples, they, came, they were rough guys that came from 
rougher lives, I'm sure that they had wounds and things that didn't go so great in their childhood and young years. I'm sure they had things that the Holy Spirit was working on and healing as they went. So this submission, we need to get more comfortable, and our culture is not as comfortable with our physicality and being submitted to the Holy Spirit. I like this example. So the Holy Spirit, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and we go, yes, Lord, I give you the deed. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Here's the deed to myself. I am your bond slave. And, he's, and, we, give, and we give him the keys <laughs> to our house. <laughs> and maybe we're, we feel like that for a minute or a little while. And then something comes up, a place where we were betrayed or something in the past, and we tense up and we go, okay, you can give me the keys, give me the keys, give me the keys. And we take the keys back and we go, okay, listen, this is the arrangement. I'm going to own the house, but you can rent, okay? You can be in here, but you can only be in here when I say for how long. You can't move anything around. You can't leave the lights on, no parties. Like, you know, you, you start to parent the Holy Spirit, Ooh, right? We start to try to parent the Holy Spirit and go, well, you, under my house and in my rules, you'll obey my, my law. And then we have the audacity to get mad at him when he won't move in our lives. Well, he can't if you don't let him. And then we get mad at God because he didn't bring that breakthrough I'm just saying this has happened in my own life many times. So this is, a, this is a regular recognition because this is something that I believe is an ongoing. It's not a one and done. It's submitting to the God who loves you and the Holy Spirit, and it comes through action. And it comes through, in psychology, they, they call it, for those that have gone through trauma and are healing, they have to approach those situations that they've been through that were hard within their window of tolerance so that more trauma doesn't occur. But there has to be a place where you come out of the trauma and where you live an abundant, victorious, very full life in Christ. And that space in between, the Holy Spirit knows, he is the master healer. He knows the window of tolerance and he will never take you out of that. But it's that trust of, I am going to step into, in my physical frame, a space and obedience I have not stepped into before. And then, then, then you get filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. So I just felt like the Holy, yeah, the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize this because it is part of, evangelism comes with the Holy Spirit and boldness. It comes, and boldness is not something of your own drumming up. It's not. You can't because then it's in the flesh and then you just come out argumentative or cerebral and people might learn information about Christ, but their chaos has not come into order. They have not stepped from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Salvation is about a citizenship transfer. You were a part of one kingdom and now you're not, baby. Now you're in his kingdom and uh, it's a whole new world. So, hallelujah. Okay, back to the shout. (laughs) You guys doing okay? You're sitting down. Do you need to run around the room? So, when um, Joshua heard from the angel army, the captain of the angel army, who we believe is a Christophany, that's a fancy word for the appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, 
Um, but we believe the captain of the angel army was indeed Jesus himself in, in form, speaking to Joshua. And um, he gives him the strategy for Jericho, which is a wild strategy. Okay, you guys know it. March around seven times, worship, and then on, you know, seventh day, make a loud noise, shout. Well, the Lord showed me in the spirit what was happening for those seven days. And he showed me the angels encamped around Jericho, and they had these huge sledgehammers. They were just like tossing them up. They were waiting. They were excited. They knew, they knew, the Lord said it was the go code. In our voices, our voices, like you know how they have modern day electronics, voice activated locks? There are sounds that are embedded in your literal voice DNA that God put them there that have specific warfare properties, unlocking properties, crushing properties. They're unique to you and your call and the doors that the Lord wants to open or the strongholds he wants to demolish. And your voice has a specific go code embedded in it. And there are angels that stand ready to fulfill the voice of the Lord that's come through your voice. And they stand ready. And some of them have different weapons. And at Jericho, they had sledgehammers. And they were hanging out. And they were waiting. And they were getting excited. Because they knew, when we hear that sound, this place is coming down. Right? And that joy, the Lord wants us to have that joy. If we get to destroy the works of the enemy, we get to partner with him. It says that the angels exist to fulfill the decrees that the Lord, uh, you know, has us decree to, to fulfill the word of the Lord, to minister to those who are inheriting salvation. And there's a lot of angels that are just hanging out, wishing and praying and hoping that the men and women of God would rise up into their unique voice. Right? So... Yeah, the enemy has attempt to silence you, not just in your conversations, but in your warfare shouts, in your codes. Um, so my encouragement today is that stretch out your tent peg of your, of your letting the Holy Spirit get a hold of your physical frame. When we say stretch out our tent pegs in Isaiah 54, it's because the Lord wants to add to his family. You only need a bigger tent if you've got a bigger family. Okay, so the Lord wants to add to his family. So we have to take our tent pegs, which are the things that have held us in place up until this point. The place where we've been rooted up until now. We have to pull them out, usually through repentance, because if it's been in the ground a long time, you have to be like, Lord, I give this to you. I'm pulling this up. I'm pulling this out. And it's not even a bad thing, but it can become a stuck thing. I've always done it this way. My post has always been here. This has always been my boundary. But the Lord has greater horizons. He has greater boundaries now. He wants to extend his kingdom. He wants to extend his family. And he's asking us to extend our borders, to lift our tent pegs, and to make room for the harvest. Hallelujah.